0: Here we go.
1: Davis goes left. Davis gets a block. Chris Davis. Touchdown. Auburn. An answered prayer. Caught. Michigan. Touchdown.
0: I can't believe this. Fires to the end zone.
1: Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to the campus to campus podcast and we have got a jam packed show for you this week with the week one college fantasy football season coming to a close this afternoon with Ole Miss playing Louisville. Uh, We got a lot to cover today so we're not gonna waste a ton of time. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing and all that good stuff. We appreciate everybody that, uh, that that joins in listens to us every week. Last week was our most listened to episode in the uh, campus-to-campus existence. So, again, thank you very much. And before we get started, let me bring in my co-host, J.D. What's going on, dude?
0: Yeah, not a lot. It was a very fun week of football, having a full slate of college football, man. Uh, it's like a little kid on Christmas, so I, I'm doing just fine.
1: Awesome. Okay. So we're going to get started up. We're going to get rolling right like we uh like what we said we're going to do. So so this is our second week going solo. So again, if you if you're listening to the show and you and you hear anything, anything that's a little bit different or out of whack, please let us know. We would like to go ahead and uh you know correct those issues as we're going because we're kind of learning on the fly shooting from the hip here. So uh next up we got the the DFS pod going 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 live every week. So 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 feel free to jump in on that as well. JD, I'll let you kind of talk about that a little bit.
0: But yeah, it's a new thing we're doing this year, uh, so the DFS videos, I uh, always do preview videos uh, for the main slate, uh, so expect to see about one of those per week, and that's going to be popping up on this campus campus feed, so don't need to go subscribe to any other shows or anything like that, it'll pop up on this feed right here, uh, so we'll get you our season-long episode, and we also got you covered for DFS, so it's like a one-stop shop here.
1: All right. All right. So we're going to go into the week one takeaways real quick. Going to hit on a couple of the big games that played out. And then we're going to start talking about some players for your fantasy football team. So, first off, obviously, the big game, biggest game of the week, we had Clemson and Georgia play. Georgia wins 10 to three. Both offenses look absolutely brutal, or both defenses will be the best defenses in the country. Uh, and what do we expect going forward? So, JD, what do you expect going forward from both Georgia and Clemson? And I'll kind of jump in here and there.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously this is going to be pretty much the toughest competition they face all year. I mean, certainly for Clemson and then for Georgia, it's got to be close to it, but uh, I still think we saw enough to say that, uh, you know, we, we could have some takeaways. I don't think either rushing offense is going to be extremely exciting. You know, maybe Zamir White at Georgia will be interesting, but he's going to be splitting carries with Kendall Milton. And then James Cook is also going to be involved. Um, and then with Clemson, I mean, we saw nothing in the rushing game. Uh, You know, four carries for seven yards for Kobe Pace, four carries for seven yards for Will Shipley. And then Lynn J. Dixon uh, was MIA. Finally saw a little cameo there in the second half. But, uh, I mean, that's just, it is a trend that I expect to continue. Uh, Clemson was not good rushing the ball last year uh, when they had an easy level of competition and they had Travis freaking ETN back there. So I am very concerned about Clemson's run game. Uh, I don't think I would need to feel like I have to have a roster spot there if I have somebody stronger to consider especially if it's going to be a timeshare um but yeah I, I think Clemson will mostly rebound DJU I think will rebound I think it's a little concerning that their wide receivers can't get any separation they don't really seem like they can have anybody who gets open but uh I think in general both, both teams will be fine because you know level of competition goes down that's that's all fantasy is about really
1: yeah yeah that's that's where we're at so Clemson's definitely will, will be on the up and up and I'm assuming Georgia's offense will look it better just just the same uh, next up, we got Bama kicking the shit out of little old Miami, forty-four to thirteen. Bryce Young, of course, he's the real deal. This is the same thing that we say every year. It's a, it's a reload instead of a rebound situation. They're loaded up at wide receiver. They're loaded up at running back. It's it's looking impressive. Looks like Alabama. Looks like Alabama will be able to uh, to pretty much punch their chick ticket into the the college football playoff, outside of some absolute catastrophic meltdown. Uh, and they lose a couple games, but he goes three forty-four and four touchdowns. Uh, other young quarterbacks were looking kind of rough coming into the season, especially you know some of the the, the bigger name quarterbacks. Uh, D, uh, Bryce Young was not one of those guys. He he actually absolutely, absolutely played great. Alabama's defense looked good. What was your takeaways, JD?
0: Yeah, I I, I saw a lot from Bryce Young. I, uh, I and I've mentioned on his podcast before. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year, but. I'm just not totally sure because he uh, he didn't look fantastic last year when he got a brief, his brief appearances. Um, mm-hmm. But no, he looks fantastic. I'm, I'm not concerned at all with him. Uh, it gives us another opportunity to make fun of Miami on this podcast, which we like doing because every <laughs> it's time they have,
1: time.
0: <laughs> yeah, every time they have a big game. I mean, we just had this conversation last year when they played North Carolina. So I don't know. It, it it's pretty pretty. Uh, Enjoyable to make fun of them. It was nice and embarrassing, and always like to see that on national television.
1: All right, going to Homer out here just a little bit. Uh, Texas plays well. Uh, I, I'm me being a pessimistic fan. Actually, JD typed this up. It was Texas is back, and I put the dot 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 maybe at the end of it. Uh, the pessimist, the pessimistic fan in me won't won't quite enjoy it just yet. Uh, we I've been here before, but Louisiana was is a really good Group of Five team, probably one of the best Group of Five teams out there. Win the game by 20 points. Uh, Bijan Robson was was exactly what we thought he was going to be. 24, 103 and one, added four catches for 73 and one touchdown. Had a monstrous day. Hudson Card played very well. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Sarkisian called the game just the way he needed to call it. I think he kept it he kept it not completely vanilla, but he didn't really open it wide open. He he didn't put Card into any positions to where he was going to have to start forcing passes. My guy, Jordan Winnington, uh, played his ass off seven for 113 and one, 57 yards after the catch. Big time having a guy that, has running back skills, being able to split out wide to play wide receiver. You know, he, him with a ball in his hands in open field against DBs, that's going to be something that Texas will be able to feature every single week. Uh, so, so J.D., I don't know if you got to see the game or not, but outside of Bijan and Whittington, like, you know, what was your thoughts on the on, on Texas's first game and Sark's first game as the head coach? Yeah,
0: I think that pretty much is my takeaway. Is it's Bijan and it's Whittington. Um, yeah, you know, hard card looks good, but fantasy wise, I'm not sure how much they'll open it up the offense if they don't need it. We also saw Casey Thompson get in just for a little bit. So that's a little concerning for card uh, fantasy wise. But um, but yeah, Whittington, I mean, we we both love Whittington on his pod. He caught all seven of his targets and he had 57 yards uh, after, you know, yards after the catch. So uh, I think Whittington looks like an absolute monster. If he's healthy, I think he's going to have a big year.
1: And to kind of piggyback off what you said about uh, the card and Casey Thompson, I was actually, as a Texas fan, not as a fantasy football player, but as a Texas fan, I was really happy with him putting Casey Thompson in and letting him get essentially a quarter and a half of play, of playing time. Uh, once the game seemed like they were heading in the right direction and they were, were able to not necessarily coast, but to, to pull back the reins a little bit, he put Casey Thompson in. Uh, had the Alabama transfer role in there. They, they played a lot of secondary players, not necessarily second team players, but but the the, the twos and the two A's, uh, you know, behind Dijon, behind Whittington, behind Card. Uh, and, you know, in today's day and age with the transfer portal and players just being able to dip out whenever they want to, I think that's a good call for, uh, for depth for the season, for the, for the Texas team from a non-fantasy standpoint. But, J.D., you're 100% right from a fantasy standpoint. Uh if, if they play another week and they, they kind of keep that same uh, direction where they kind of play card two-and-a-half quarters and Casey Thompson one-and-a-half, it'll be time to move on from that situation until they get a full-time 100% starter uh, and they're not going to pull them in and out all game long. So – Moving on, we got Washington with a major upset against uh, Montana. Excuse me, Montana with a major upset against Washington, uh, winning thirteen to seven. So, so I didn't get to watch this game, JD. I just kind of fallen around on the on the clicker, uh, you know, the uh, the sports tracker. So, what was your thoughts on the game? I'm sure you got to see a little bit more than I did.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't see a single second. I, I totally glossed over it. I actually didn't even notice it happened right away. Oh, that's um, right. That's
1: right. I was <laughs> the one that told you they got beat.
0: <laughs> I didn't even notice till the morning. And I was watching every single game. I, I had all the monitors up. It was just one of those games where I'm like, oh, you know, it looks close, it, you know. It looks a little close, but Washington's going to pull away. Whatever. It looks boring. It's going to be low scoring. Uh, and I just never checked back. And next thing you know, it's the morning and they they lost to Montana. So, yeah, no, I, I missed it. But my takeaway is, uh, man, John Donovan's probably the worst offensive coordinator, uh, you know, in college football. <laughs> he's an absolute joke. Everywhere he's been, the offense has gotten worse. Um, they couldn't run the ball. They had 53 rushing yards on 26 carries. Which is uh,
1: really, really bad. I mean, this is Montana. Yeah. It's not like it's his Georgia, Clemson. You can understand why Georgia and Clemson had low rushing totals, but when you're Washington, supposed to be a, you know, a contender in the Pac-12, only putting up 53 rushing yards on an FCS school, ah, that's tough.
0: Yeah, and we we know they're not great at throwing the ball, and they they only had 226 yards on 46 pass attempts. The quarterback threw three interceptions, no touchdowns, So, uh, yeah, I guess fantasy wise, you probably didn't have a lot of Washington, but worth mentioning on the spot, huge, huge upset. And I, I think Washington's going to be in a lot of low scoring games They still have a good defense, but that's when you want to clear
1: away whether they're playing them or playing against them. Yeah. It's, it's looking like it's going to be a black hole for fantasy out there in Washington. All right. Next up, we got Oregon looked bad. Uh Fresno state looked really good. Uh, we, we tried telling you last week, you know, uh Fresno state's going to be able to move the ball. You know, we didn't, I didn't expect, you know, Oregon to go right down to the wire with them. You know, Fresno, you know, had, had the lead for some of that game, if I'm not mistaken. So, so the Fresno State offense is, it's solid. That was probably the best thing they'll play all year long. So it is nothing but, you know, stock up for your, for your Fresno State players. So what was your thoughts on the Oregon game? Because I know you follow Oregon pretty close out there where you're at.
0: Yeah, I was falling. I was, I was actually nervous for him for sure. In the fourth quarter, after yeah. were, <laughs> I, was, I was really nervous. Uh They lost their best player, Kayvon Thibodeau. He's hurt. Uh, not yeah, so he'll be back. Um, yeah, that's big time. And, Fantasy wise for Oregon, they're still splitting carries at running back. Uh, the quarterback, Anthony Brown didn't look great. Uh, but you know, he he had a big rushing touchdown at the end. So maybe that dual threat ability will give them some viability in fantasy, uh, the wide receivers, they're, they're totally rotating. They got about six guys involved. So I don't want a lot of ownership for Oregon, but, but yeah, Fresno state, the big takeaway. I mean, we're, I'm I'm just going to be the huge Fresno state guy. I'll mention them every week if I have to, I mean, this offense is fantastic and they're going to put up points, uh, Josh Kelly, if you need a secondary wide receiver, he looks like their secondary option. He's had two big games and should have had an even bigger game in week one that people would have noticed, but he had like a 70-yard touchdown called back, a uh, pass interference. So, yeah, Fresno, way to go. Own anybody. If you have an open spot, you don't know who to play, just play a Fresno guy.
1: Yeah, it's looking it's looking good for them for sure. All right, so uh, so next up I want to talk about Mohammed Ibrahim for a second, uh, which for me personally – it's probably going to be one of the saddest things in regards to college fantasy football that's ever going to happen to me. <laughs> uh, been a huge Muhammad Ibrahim fan from the time he came in as a, as a freshman taken over for, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, Rodney Smith. He takes over for Rodney Smith his freshman year after Smith gets hurt, absolutely crushes it, comes in the next year. We have the weird, COVID year, or excuse me, comes in the next year, they split carries between him and Rodney Smith. So we don't get a full season to Ibrahim there either. Then last year we get the COVID year shortened season. Guy absolutely balls out. And then against the best team he's going to play all year, he comes out the gate, rushed almost, uh, I want to say it was 30 carries, 154 yards and two touchdowns, I think is what it was in the first three quarters before injuring his foot, which now just saw this morning on on, on the Twitter 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 sphere that he is out for the season with a foot injury, more than likely an Achilles from what I saw on on, on, uh, on at the game. So, uh, for me, to not get a full season of getting to watch that guy carry the ball for 35 times a game, 160 yards and three touchdowns, is a real, real bummer. And especially for my Kings classically, losing that first-round pick, losing him in the first week, that's pretty sad. So, uh, so what's your thoughts on Muhammad Ibrahim? Anything else you want to add to it before we move on?
0: No, it's brutal. Um, I, I'll just say as a guy who has no shares of Ibrahim, I got pretty lucky because, man, he's fantastic. And he was looking good against Ohio State, which is same Yeah, he was. So uh, he,
1: I mean, he was looking absolutely dominant against a team that is going to put multiple people into the NFL over the next couple of years. You know, I mean, Ohio State's defense is just loaded up with NFL talent. Uh, they put you know, defensive linemen and and cornerbacks into the into the NFL every single year, and he was eating their asses alive out there. Uh, don't really know who to who I really or if I really even want to add the backup running back from uh, uh, Minnesota. You know, uh, Trey Potts right there, ten for thirty four and want the one catch. It just wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't the same once he left in the in the third, and uh, Ohio State kind of blew it open after that. Yeah. It, I- next, Go
0: ahead. I, I just want to say, I think I'll own Pops. I'm not sure how I feel about him, but uh, I thought he looked good. I, I was surprised when I went back and looked at his stats. because so they're definitely not impressive, but I don't know. He at least looked to me like he belonged on the field with Ohio State. And I know they got a few other talented guys. I think Cam Wiley's his, his toughest competition in my opinion, but, uh, but yeah, it's worth a shot. You know, I, I don't think anybody's going to get Mohammed Ibrahim work because he gets like 30 damn carries a game, but even if yeah. he gets 20, 25. It's you still know, great. Still huge. Yeah. So, it, I think it's worth monitoring at the very least if you're not going to send the flyer on them.
1: All right, next up, so in staying in the same game, same breath, Ohio State running back room is going to be tricky this year. They have got two guys that are going to be game-breaker break breaker type guys and then they're going to be mixing in Master Teague after that. Uh, Myron Williams, you know, 125 yards and a touchdown, broke off a big one. Then you got Trevion Henderson that, that takes a big screen pass to the house 75 yards. Uh, I don't think there's any way they do not get Travion Henderson more involved with carries and that's going to come at the expense of Master Teague in my opinion because Mayan Williams looked really really good out there so uh, so what's your thoughts on the run- Ohio State running back room and what are you doing with it who you holding who you moving on from if anybody
0: yeah I, uh, I mean we mentioned last week we, I thought Mayan Williams is going to be the, the guy who's, who saw the first carry I wasn't sure how it was going to play out from there and yeah, I think Williams has to be owned. Uh, the volume may not be great. I, I think Master Teague, I might even consider dropping just because you know I thought he might have that goal line work, and he still will have some. He's getting in on the goal line, but I mean, Mayan Williams is a freaking bruiser. Like you don't need to yeah, bring Stratieg as a bruiser because that dude can. That dude is thick, man.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's big. He's a big old boy for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I
0: I think it's still a little messy. Travion Henderson had the long touchdown run. I think he's going to be involved, but it looks like Mayan Williams is going to be one a. Uh, maybe Henderson, one D, and then Teague will just be kind of vulturing stuff here and there. So it's ugly.
1: Yeah. So you're 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 hoping you're hoping there's a little bit more clarity in the upcoming weeks, but I don't think that there will be not uh not anytime soon. Those are three really good backs they got back there, and they're going to try to work them in, and especially keep everybody fresh. One of the big things for Ohio State last year was was Sermon and Teague kind of getting nicked up toward the end of the season, and then not having any real depth. So it would make sense from a football standpoint to uh to keep them doing keep doing that and to to, to keep them to keep them fresh all right uh, last thing before we move on to our week winners and our week losers uh gotta say super proud of wandel robinson you know had a big week finally getting some uses finally got him a quarterback that can push the ball downfield to him uh over 100 yards receiving uh, a couple touchdowns if i'm not mistaken but wandel robinson for kentucky is looking really good uh and that's really all my takeaways from week one jd do you have anything else
0: no, I think anything else we'll get to in our next section.
1: All righty. So first off, this is going to be a section I'm going to run through real quick every week. These are just going to be weak winners and weak losers. These are guys that are low uh, roster ship that would just blew up and could win you the week. You know, so from a from a uh, from a streaming standpoint, when you can find the right play, you know, you can have big weeks out of it. So first off, I'm going to start with with uh, with your guy Tanner Mordecai. 317 yards and seven touchdowns. He's only 48% rostered. More than likely, that means he's probably gone in your leagues. There's probably a lot of dead leagues out there to where they're auto-drafted and that kind of stuff. But uh, 317-7 and is a huge week coming from a guy that was drafted in the double-digit rounds at quarterback. Next up, we got Kenneth Walker. uh, Superstar of the weekend, Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. 264 rushing yards and four touchdowns, only 28% rostered. DeAndre Torrey is the other running back that really blew up. He had 244-3 and three for North Texas. He's only 10% rostered. Uh, next up, we got Neil Powell. I'm going to say it. Is that, is that right?
0: I have no idea. I think it's like oh. Paua. I, I don't know. Okay,
1: well, I'm going to go with Powell until somebody <laughs> somebody corrects me. Uh, he had 126 receiving yards and two touchdowns, uh, only only a rostered in 3% of leagues. That's how he's at a BYU uh, – you know BYU loses a lot of talent. You know, especially with guys like Zach Wilson going number two overall. But it looks like they kind of picked up. You know, in the passing game, they're pushing the ball down the field, looking good. Uh, some of the weak losers guys that you one hundred percent had in your starting lineups because you 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 draft you you spent some some pretty decent draft capital on is Sam Howe, only seventeen point eight points, uh, and DJU four point nine points. Now we talked about DJU. That's probably going to be his worst game by a mile for the rest of the season. Uh, no issues with DJU at all. And I really don't have any issues with Sam Howell just yet either. But, again, we've talked about this North Carolina team several times on the show over the, over the summer. They lost a lot of NFL talent. It is hard to replace 2,500 rushing yards, two wide receivers that get drafted and just reload like they expect their, like they're expecting to reload like Alabama reloads. It doesn't work like that for North Carolina. Uh, Sam Howe struggled, had a hard time. Uh, Virginia Tech played a great game though, and they come out with a win. At the running back position, we have Eric Gray, 3.1 points, and Austin Jones, 9.5 points. Now, these two are, are, are especially close to the vest here because I got a lot of Eric Gray and Austin Jones. Uh, uh, pieces on, on my teams and they they both had really really bad weeks we're looking for Stanford to step up and be a little bit better going forward and I don't really have a lot of issue with Eric Gray I think they'll they'll get that get that offense going around they just had a rough day a lot of interceptions with uh, um, Spencer Sanders this week but I got to tell you Kennedy Brooks looked pretty damn good he looked much better I think than Eric Gray looked uh, it wouldn't surprise me very much if Kennedy Brooks weasels into that 1a role and Eric, Eric Gray stays at the 1b role. Uh, so keep keep an eye on that and if you have an extra roster spot especially if you own Eric Gray because you had to spend pretty early uh, a pretty early draft pick on him pick up pick up Kennedy Brooks. For wide receivers for me it's Justin Ross uh, for Clemson big time player drafted. 6.6 points, and then Reggie Roberson, another guy that was taken in the top two rounds, only 8.9 points on top of his quarterback throwing for seven touchdowns and 317 yards. So that's, that's pretty concerning for me there because there was a lot of guys that got looks. Uh, J.D., I'm not missing a, uh, an injury anywhere for Reggie Roberson. Emma, did he get nicked up and come out of the game, or are you aware?
0: No, it was just a blowout. So nobody on the team had more than three catches because they were just,
1: you yeah. know, yeah More but a lot a lot of, but a lot of, of players had, everybody but, on the team. yeah but a lot of players had multiple touchdown catches then uh, they spread the ball around quite a bit so that right there for me it's a little bit concerning but it's also week one I try not to uh which before we go into our waiver wire pick let me let me hit on that don't overreact to week one all right don't go cut half your team because you got your ass kicked the first week in week one it's week one's kind of kind of sketchy you're playing a lot of uh scs opponents there's a lot of things that, that that a lot of news that we didn't get now we have a little bit more clarity so don't panic just yet make a couple moves don't just you know wipe out your entire roster just because of one bad game all right so next up we're to our waiver wire so jd do you got anything to, to to go back over on the week winners week losers before we move on
0: yeah just sitting on the losers real quick uh you know i Again, it's week one. I don't want to overreact, but uh, one of my main emphases at quarterback was, uh, was a little bit lower than DJU in my rankings. I well, wasn't very low on him; he was number six. But you know, most people had him above Bryce Young, and pretty clearly, i, want, I even though it's only one spot, I, I thought I would definitely, definitely rather have Bryce Young. And after one week, I'd be pretty surprised if DJU finishes above Bryce Young. I mean, they'll both be good. They'll both be starters, um, yeah. and then Sam Howell pretty low on him i mean having my that eight that's not low at all right but you, you see him going in the first round second round of some leagues and i don't think i have a single share with that with that offense reloading um and other than that i, I think eric gray is the one I'm, i have the biggest concern about you mentioned kennedy brooks kenny brooks was in there more uh he was getting the goal line work more uh caleb williams the backup quarterback's apparently going to come in in short yardage situation and then rattler runs himself so you have four guys competing for carries at the very least um i'm concerned with gray i was absolutely shocked he's gonna have to be extremely efficient on his touches which hey lincoln riley offenses always are extremely efficient but uh i don't know i'm starting to see the the path is definitely uh definitely not a clear one for him this year
1: yeah yeah definitely not not as clear as we thought it was going to be all right so so moving on to our waiver wire pickups we have a couple players from each position uh the the goal is to have them under 50 percent owned uh my goal is to be down there closer to that, you know, 30, 35, and lower percent ranks, you know, so, you, so you're not looking for these guys and they're, they're they're rostered. But a couple quarterbacks that I'm looking at uh, this week is obviously Chris Reynolds from from Charlotte uh, had a great game. He's got Gardner-Webb and Georgia State coming up next, so not not two teams that really scare you a whole lot. And then Nick Starkle, he probably played the best team he'll play all year at, at with USC, Uh, still threw for 300 yards, didn't score any touchdowns, but you weren't starting Nick Starkle against uh, USC in most leagues. Anyway, he's only 22% on Starkle is about to get into his conference season and looks like they're going to chuck the ball all over the field. So those are my two quarterbacks that I'll be looking to, uh, to target the most in, uh, in some of the leagues that I'm in. What about you, JD?
0: Yeah, no, I hate those two Uh, for me. I was pretty shocked to see this guy was only 24%. owned.
1: me too. Me too.
0: Um, like I, I was going to glance over him and just say, yeah, I'm sure everyone rostered him, but apparently not. I don't, I don't know if, if there's a lot more home leagues or casual leagues that, that just aren't, don't know about this guy, but that's a KJ Jefferson, Arkansas's quarterback. Um, now he, he did not look fantastic passing the ball. I'll certainly give you that their, their passing offense looked bad. He only had 128 yards, a touchdown in the pick, but, uh, The reason why this guy's so interesting is I think he's going to be their leading rusher. And if if not leading rusher yardage wise, I think touchdown wise. um, I
1: I totally agree with that. Totally agree with the touchdowns sentiment.
0: Yeah. He's going to be their, their short yardage guy. I mean, they have Traylon Smith who's a pretty good running back, but he's more of a a short uh, or he's more of a, you know, kind of a scat back kind of guy. Um, I mean, Jefferson is an absolute monster. Um, This dude's humongous. He had 89, uh, (laughs) Eighty-nine rushing yards and two touchdowns. I think that's just going to continue this year. So go pick up KJ Jefferson. Uh, and and before Mike,
1: you before you move on, I also want to point yeah. out that you did uh, bold prediction KJ Jefferson top ten quarterback at the Kings Classic Draft. By the way, I just want to give you a little props there. That was a good week one showing. For a guy that's that's hardly owned to have a, a possibility at being a top ten, top fifteen, top quarterback, and eighty nine rushing yards and two touchdowns a week sure does give you that floor.
0: Yeah, Jefferson and Mordecai were my two plant the flag quarterbacks, and they're that's looking great. all right. Although so
1: so far so good, we don't get too yeah. too ahead of ourselves. But so far, there's <laughs> right. no run around the house naked, you know, with a big no. sign just yet. But it's it's <laughs> it's coming if they continue like this.
0: Exactly. Um, and then last guy, uh, everybody. Saw him this week, I'm sure they were playing Oklahoma. He did great. That's Michael Pratt, Tulane. He's only 30% owned. Uh, he's a dual threat, and he was only a freshman last year and had some pretty decent stats. So, if you go look at the stats, I think he only threw for like 17 touchdowns, but he is a dual threat. Um, their, their schedule is actually pretty difficult for an American team. Uh, so he's not like a smash play, in my opinion, but I think he's going to be one of those guys who every couple of weeks you look at him and say, Damn, that's Michael Pratt kid, right? So, yeah, uh, so yeah, and he's hard nosed
1: too. He's a hard nosed kid. Oh, I love him, man he, was, man. he was he diving all over the place. It, he was, was taking awesome. he was taking shot after shot, and <laughs> he just yeah. kept on getting up and kept rolling. All right, so moving on to running backs, uh, my two are pretty pretty clear cut. They're going to be the two that, that everybody's going to be look for it's DeAndre Torrey out of North Texas, and then uh, Mateo Durant out of Duke. Uh, Torrey's ten percent owned. Uh, Durant is thirty five percent owned. I know that uh, it'd be easy to say Kenneth Walker, but I think he's closer to that forty eight percent owned. Uh, both these guys went over 200 yards. One of which for JD was a uh, was a big was a big uh, win, uh, big boost in him winning this week. But both guys saw almost all the touches on teams that you know don't have the crazy schedule. Duke will probably uh, lose most of its games this year, if not the rest of its games this year. But it's one of those things to where if you're going to have a guy get 25 to 26 touch 25 26 touches every week. Especially a guy that can break off some runs like Mateo, uh, Mateo Durant did. That's, that's impressive. So, my, my two running backs, DeAndre Torrey and Mateo Durant.
0: Yeah, I, I got a, a pretty long list here running backs. I'll try Let to him go rip. That's, that's what we're <laughs> here for. Let him rip. All right. So, Trey Potts, we already mentioned him. He's only 4% owned. So, like I said, even if you're not going to pick him up, you have to consider it. If you have a roster spot you don't feel good about, uh, I would just go ahead and pull the trigger. Uh, he could be in for a massive workload. A um, guy I feel great about, speaking of massive workloads, Isaiah Bowser, UCF. Let's um, go. Northwestern transfer, 32 carries, 32
1: Gus, carries. Yeah, Gus Malzahn, offense, a lot of plays all over the field. You got Dylan Gabriel moving the ball, so it's keeping him on the field. Yeah, Isaiah Bowser would have been my first one here, but you already had him on the list, so I'm all in on Isaiah Bowser.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kicking myself because I really like Bowser. I think it had him ranked higher than most of most other outlets I saw. And uh, I just don't have him owned many places. So he's only 6% owned right now. I'm going to go pick him up, you know, wherever I don't have him. But yeah, he had 170 yards in the touchdown and he's a big bruising back. That team's going to score a lot of touchdowns. I like me some Isaiah Bowser. And we thought it might be Carter backfield. Hell no, it wasn't, man. No. Bowser is the guy for sure.
1: <laughs> for sure. No, but no competition at all with him. Uh,
0: speaking of Northwestern running backs, a guy I think's going to get really overlooked. And I'm not really making him a priority, uh, but if you have a spot, definitely worth a speculative ad. Uh, so Cam Porter is supposed to be their, their go-to guy, get a ton, of, a ton of usage at the running back position, as Northwestern always does. He went out with an injury in mid-August, uh, and it appears that Evan Hole is going to be the starter. Um, he didn't get much usage uh, when they were playing Michigan State, so that's one reason I think he's going to go under the radar. Uh, the coach said after the game that he was a little banged up, and he would have gotten more usage if he wasn't banged up, which I thought was a telling quote because at first I was very concerned he only had eight carries, but he, he was good. He had, when he got those carries, he went for 97 yards, uh, extremely productive. He also got three passes for 23 yards. So um, yeah, Evan hole Northwestern, uh, I, I think he's worth a shot. Again, I don't think he's a priority, but given how much Northwestern use their running backs, it appears he's pretty clearly right now, the number one guy. Um, next up, we got Harrison Whaley. Uh, running back from Northern Illinois. Uh, I'm kind of realizing right now, maybe I just have an affinity for these white running backs. This is now three in a row. Um, but but uh, Harrison Whaley uh, went off Northern Illinois. They upset Georgia Tech. Big, big win for the program. Uh, they're starting to change their identity a little bit at Northern Illinois. I know it's still gross rostering uh, them, but they are getting better. They're, they're not quite as much of a defensive oriented team. It looks like they're, they're going to lean on two guys. Are going to do pretty much everything for this offense, and that, that's Tyrese Ritchie, the wide receiver. And everything else is going to go to Harrison Whaley. He had 27 carries for 144 yards and a touchdown uh, when he was a freshman last year. He was impressive at 456 yards in only six games. Uh, and yeah, he's only 8% owned, so I think Harrison Whaley is going to see a lot of carries this year. Uh, last but not least, not this guy's lowest on the risk list for a reason. Um, but if you if you have an open bench spot and want to take a swing for the fences. Uh, L.B. Brown did not do much for Oklahoma State. He played an FCS team. He only had two yards per carry uh, and a touchdown, but he's only 11% owned. And in what was supposed to be a muddy backfield, he got the majority of the carries. He had 15 carries, which I think is more than most people were expecting. So if he get, keeps getting those carries, I think he's going to have a big season. That's a big if, however, because like I said, he, he was not impressive. Only had 30 yards on those carries.
1: There. Sorry, man. I forgot I muted my mic. I was. I was. I've been, oh. talking, for, I've been talking for two minutes. <laughs> All right. So, so next up, moving on to the wide receivers. Uh, first off, for me, it's going to be Victor Tucker. Victor Tucker for Charlotte. Thirty percent on, kind of, kind of a, a stack right there. Chris Reynolds looks his way early and often. I want to say he had eight catches for a buck thirty-three, uh, and a touchdown. He had a really good week. Next up is Stanley Barry Hill the third. 12 catches for 102 yards. Now, I didn't score any touchdowns, but anytime I see any receiver with 12 catches in an opening week, all I can think about is that is the focal point of the passing game. Touchdowns will come, but if I can get 12 for 102 or or for 100 yards every single week, that gives me a nice 20-point, 22-point floor in most leagues. Touchdowns are just going to be icing on top of the cake. And uh, Jacory Sullivan is the next, and that's one of the guys I'm trying to look up right now and trying to see where he's at because uh, Roy's ship was because I didn't put it on there. Oh, where'd he go? Got to be pretty low. Yeah, it's it was it was down there in the teens, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, either way, he's he plays for for Central Michigan. Had a big week. I want to say eight catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and plays in a conference to where it kind of, you know, it kind of promotes scoring, right? So it's it's one of those things to where if he's going to be the the, the go-to guy, then there, there, there's no reason. I mean, eight catches for 102, that's a solid week. That's a solid week every week. Anytime you're, you're pulling in that eight, nine, ten catch a week kind of thing, that's big time. So especially PPR leagues, Ja'Cory Sullivan is the, uh, the the other guy that I'm looking for out there, eight for 102 and two. What you got, J.D.?
0: Yeah, and he's actually only one percent owned. I just found one percent. So.
1: Okay, I I was scrolling, I was frantically scrolling, assuming that I just skipped over him and didn't see him. So yeah, one percent owned. So I mean, this guy, and maybe it's just a total fluke, just one of those one of those days. But at, but if you have like like JD said with with LD Brown, if you have an extra bench spot available, let's let's use that. Just see see where it's at because this is this is one of the reasons why especially for me during draft season that I focus on running back so much when I'm drafting is because there are a ton of wide receivers every single year, that breakout that come out of absolute nowhere. Now, who's who knows if this guy is one of those guys or not, but eight for eight, eight receptions and two touchdowns in week one, uh, it's not, not a bad day at the ballpark. So, uh, you know, guys like that are the ones I'm going to shoot my shot on, especially the ones that are down there low owned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's how you got to play the game. Um, All right, my wide receivers, first up, uh, Jamison Williams, transfer from Ohio State to Alabama, looks fantastic in his first game. Uh, Looks like he is going to be the number two guy, him and John Mechie, I think are both going to get a lot of usage for what's obviously going to be an offense that scores a million points. Um, He he had four catches for 126 yards and one touchdown. Uh, What we learned here, he is going to be the deep guy threat, and this is a team that's going to hit a lot of those. Uh, Only 35% owned. I would imagine that's up around 80% uh, pretty soon here. So go grab him while he's hot. Um, secondary guy, he's available in 97% of leagues, only 3% owned. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. And that's, again, the guy we don't know how to say his name. Neil Pau. I don't know. Neil Pau. <laughs> <laughs> There's an apostrophe in there. I'm glad, uh,
1: I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm not the only one struggling with it. Yeah, who
0: the hell knows how to say that, right? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so he's for BYU uh BYU they lost Dax Milne their go-to uh wide receiver obviously lost Zach Wilson um and then their leading returning receiver Gunnar Romney actually they lost him uh early on in their first game and that's a guy Gunnar Romney who who you just can't you know can't can't stay on the field he gets injured quite a lot so uh Pau went off he had eight catches for 126 yards and two touchdowns Uh, seems pretty clear to be their number one guy um they do have two transfers the Nakua brothers uh, Samson from Utah and Puka from Washington. So it's interesting to see how those two guys will, will shake out when they get back in week two. But right now, Poe is the guy. And yeah, he's going to get a ton of usage. Uh, other than that, three guys, these are more speculative ads, more, more lower percent guys. Uh, Gary Bryant for USC, a guy who's always injured, um, but he, he may be back for week two. And if not, he'll probably be back after that. Sounds like he's on the mend. Uh, this USC offense is going to pass for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns, all the yards, all the yards. We know we have Drake London who's going to go off. Other than that, we don't really know what we have. Taj Washington looks pretty good as the wide receiver too. Um, but Gary Bryant is a guy who's supposed to be talented enough. Um, they said they were going to play him outside, but he's more of a speed slot guy. Uh, sounds like he should be out there and there's a ton of targets up for grabs. So I think he's worth a speculative bat if he had a bench spot. Um, other than that, Devin Tompkins, Utah State, eight catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. He's only 6% owned. They have a new coach in from Arkansas State, uh, Anderson, who likes to air it out. So Tompkins would appear, appear to be their number one guy. Uh, looked really good going against the Pac-12 defense. And last but not least, so I think this guy, you want to pick him up and play him. We'll talk about this matchup soon in a bit. Um, that's to Hunt, wide receiver for Arkansas State. Uh, six catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. He's only 1% owned. Uh, this is a talented guy. He's a TCU transfer. Um, we know there's room for for uh, wide receiver production in this offense. He does actually have a very tough schedule when when you look at it. Um, but he has Memphis next week, so go ahead and pick him up while he talks.
1: All right. So, for me, the, the tight ends, they're going to be pretty pretty common knowledge. It's pretty pretty much chalk. But just from the the, the percentage ships of, of roster, we got Grant Calcaterra for SMU. Um, I mean, Tanner Mordecai and that, that that offense is going to hum this year. He's only 31% rostered. So more than likely he's probably gone any leagues. But if he's not and you're looking for any kind of tight end to help, he needs to be scooped up immediately. Uh same for the next two with Joshua Simon out of western Kentucky. Going to be a lot of points scored up there. A lot of a lot of air yards, a lot of passing, a lot of volume for, for the wide receivers and the tight end. Simon's had two pretty good weeks, low catch volume, but it seems like he's getting in the end zone. Uh, both weeks and, and then Payne Durham only nine percent uh, rostered, which is really strange to me I didn't I, I don't I don't know what I was thinking on this one but he had a huge day seven for 120 and a touchdown uh, possibly two touchdowns now that I'm thinking about that out loud but either way it's uh, being opposite of a of, fail of uh, David Bell on the other side you know and, and him being a uh, receiving tight end it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be pretty big for him. So definitely looking uh, to, to pick up uh, Payne Durham wherever you can find him at.
0: Yeah, I like those options. Only thing I'll add, uh, I was a big fan of Simon, too, because that offense is going to throw for a million yards and a million touchdowns, right, just yep, like we mentioned yep. USC. And Simon's a, a proven producer. But uh, I actually just saw a couple minutes ago come across my Twitter feed. He has a knee injury. Oh. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it may not be serious. So, you know, if he has that little flag where you can put him on an IR spot, I would certainly do that because he doesn't count towards your roster. If you're in a league where you're able to do that, which should be most leagues, but it sounds like he even has a chance to play at Saturday on Saturday. So it's not a serious knee injury, but yeah, that, that's worth somebody to add uh, later down the road.
1: All right, rolling on into our week two previews. We're going to hit the, uh, the high over and unders, every, anything over 60 points that we found right now. Now, that all that kind of stuff can change. So, for you guys at home listening, keep an eye on the Vegas totals. Uh, things are going to fluctuate. Things are going to change. Just find out the ones that are jumping from, you know, 55 to 60, you know, somewhere in that range real quick. Uh, but to kind of go through them, and, and, J.D., what I'm doing is I'm just going to list off these, and then you can hit on whoever you want to here. And then, and then we'll move on to our, to our recap. So uh, so Ohio State versus Oregon. over and under is at 63 and a half right now. Uh, next up we have SMU versus North Texas over and under is 72, which is a big one. Arkansas State versus Memphis, it's at 65. North Carolina uh, versus Georgia State, that's at 61. And then Oregon State versus Hawaii is also at 61. So JD, what's some of your thoughts on these games? Uh, and kind of jump around if you want to, and then uh, and then we'll move on to the recap.
0: Yeah, I mentioned earlier for Oregon, I uh, I'm not super high on their fantasy chances right now, so I, I would bench all of them against Ohio State to be honest. Um, SME North Texas, I would play pretty much anyone and everyone in this matchup. Yep. Uh, other than the quarterback Jace Reuter, who looked like garbage in week one, uh, which, which sucks because Austin Ani, you know, hopefully he gets in. He got a little bit of playing time in the second half, but. I had Austin Ani owns a lot of leagues, and instead they they bunched him for this bum, Reuter. So I'm hoping Reuter goes <laughs> out and throws four picks. Oh, the shade
1: Oni. is shitting <laughs> on Reuter.
0: <laughs> you know, it sucks, Kevin, because so many best ball leagues, I took Ani in like all of them, and now it's just going to be a wasted roster. Yeah, spot with, just with a wasted spot. Reuter. Yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, play the SMU guys. I mean, I'm going to, SMU is one of those teams. I'm going to go out every week. Them am in Fresno State. Um, play them. Yeah, Roberson had a down week one. Well, yeah, he wasn't fully healthy, right? He's still recovering um, from that injury, and now this is a game. It, they're still 22-point favorites, but it's, it's probably going to be a little bit closer than 59-7 to seven or whatever that first week was, so I, I would play everybody. Um,
1: and, hey, Arkansas- before, before, you, before you move yeah. on to Arkansas State, we have got to do something to get Lane Hatcher to fucking start from the first snap. What, what – did the kid – did the kid, like, sleep the coach's wife or something? Like, is there, is there something that we don't know that going on to where they refused to let this kid start? Because he's been their best quarterback for three years. He was greatest freshman year. He was their best quarterback last year. I don't care what anybody says, but split time all year long. And now it looks like he's playing second fiddle to who is it? Blackman from, from the transfer, Blackman, James Blackman yeah. from the transfer in Florida State. And then as soon as the kid comes in, goes twelve for twelve for one hundred and fifty yards and what three touchdowns or four touchdowns, something like that. Yeah, I mean he absolutely balled the fuck out. What what is he doing on the bench? It just do you have any uh, insight or input as to why this kid just cannot start? I'm telling you, he's he's boinking the coach's wife. That's that's my that's my guess, and that's where I'm gonna that's where I'm gonna stand at until I hear different.
0: I think that's what it must be. Somebody's got some be. really good blackmail on him or something because it makes absolutely <laughs> no sense.
1: I mean, he's just—it just—I mean, I—I was—I was one of the guys that owned uh, Omar Bayless uh, through through that year where he just absolutely went nuts all year long and had Lane Hatcher throwing him the ball. And then the next year he comes in and Lane Hatcher was better every single week seems like on, on scoring actual touchdowns and moving the offense. I just, it blows me away that the kid's not starting. And so let me ask you this, do you think he starts next week or do you think they still roll with Blackman?
0: I think he has to, but I guess all logic is, you know, going out it's the just, window. When it yeah. Comes it's to just,
1: throwing it, <laughs> I'm you. I, I feel the same way. Like how do you not start him after he played so well, you know, after he comes in for, for Blackman, but then again, you know, I thought he should have been starting from the get-go. So, all right, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox and let you continue to talk about your your teams.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would keep playing those Arkansas State guys. So, I think Hatcher probably starts. I would probably play him, although it is a little concerning. Uh, but I would play those wide receivers. Obviously, Corey Rucker, if you have him, three touchdowns last week, you're playing him. Uh, Jeff Foreman looked okay. Uh, but the guy I mentioned earlier, Chevalence uh, Hunt, I think is going to be extremely low owned this week. And this is a 65-point total, and they're going to be airing it out. So, yep. I think Hunt is worth worth a, worth a shot. Um, other than that, North Carolina, Georgia State, not really much for me to mention, uh, I don't think. And then Oregon State, Hawaii, I actually, I don't really think those are two very high scoring teams this year. Oregon State went way under and then Hawaii went way under when they played UCLA. So uh, not too much, too much interest there. But yeah, you can pick and choose your spots. There's still going to be some that, you know, we don't have the totals yet today um as we're recording this monday morning labor day morning happy labor day everybody yeah yeah um, happy
1: labor day happy Labor. Day.
0: <laughs> yeah it's a holiday shit didn't even realize that um <laughs> but uh but no so there's a lot that haven't come out but there's there's still FCS versus fds games there's plenty of those if you need a spark spot, spot starter look at it uh, i would say a common mistake i see is seeing people play like wide receivers or you know somebody in a blowout where they're probably not going to get a full a full game of usage um, I, I think going against an SCS team, that, that usually works for the running backs. Uh, if you have a dual-threat quarterback, that absolutely works. Um, but like you mentioned, Reggie Roberson, I mean, he did nothing. And last year when they played FCS team, he did nothing too. So just be yeah. careful when you're picking and choosing those spots. It's not always quite as simple as it seems at first.
1: Well, that's what we have the DFS show for, Phipps. So people, make sure you tune in to that so J.D. can walk you through that thought process for sure. Hell yeah. All right. Next up, we have the CFF recap. So, we have our Kings Classic recap. So, I'm going to let J.D. take over there because uh, I did not do so well. Uh, so, I'm, uh, I'll am kind of roll over the disappointments from my team for that week. But, J.D., go ahead first.
0: Yeah, Kings Classic recap. I think how we should do this. Obviously, we'll talk about our own teams. But we'll give kind of an overview for the uh, the whole league since this is kind of a, yep. again, it's still dumb saying this. kind of a celebrity league, right? This is kind of the power league. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So, yeah, first off, I'll start with my matchup. Uh, it looks like I have a chance to be the highest scoring team in the league right now. Uh, CFF guys, Josh, um, my good friend Josh, CFF guys, uh, got to meet him at Canton. Hell of a guy. He has 260 points. So he went off. He beat John Lobb, who also had a pretty good year, uh, a good week. But right now I'm sitting at 228 and I have Matt Corral going tonight. I know his coach uh, got the Rona and isn't going to be on the sidelines. But <laughs> if he, if he can get about 32 points, which seems about right for him. Uh, My my team looks pretty good here. Mateo Durant, I'm not going to get that production every week. So I got to go in and adjust and see where I'm going to get my points next week. But I'm feeling pretty good because I I waited at running back, right? I I went like zero RB, which is usually not a great strategy. And what did I get for my my RBs? I got 22 points from Greg Bell. I got 22 points from Cam People. I got 49 points from Mateo Durant. And then Xavier invalidated my highest, my highest drafted running back only had 15 points, but not so bad, so. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty good, Kevin. Um,
1: yeah, no, you should for sure. That was a good week for you.
0: Yeah. And of course I got Mordecai so I have him in every league. I just still don't understand why nobody wants to draft him, but thank you everybody for totally ignoring all the, all the, all the signs pointing to Tanner Mordecai. <laughs>
1: um,
0: all right. Other than that, it looks like uh, Bainbridge took you down, which is no shame because Mike Bainbridge uh, doesn't take too many L's in CFF, I would imagine, but. Big news for you this week, uh, Mohamed Ibrahim is out. So how are you yeah. feeling with Muhammad Ibrahim out and then Eric Gray uh, mysteriously shitting the bed?
1: Yeah, so so Eric Gray is the, the biggest, the biggest uh, red flag for me. So I need to figure out what I'm going to do there. Uh, definitely not going to start him next week, you know, against the Tulsa team where Oklahoma puts up 40 points. He only had 27 rushing yards and one reception for negative six yards. Uh, so not a good week. But, but overall, you know, I had Spencer Sanders uh, had to pull last second. Uh, he wasn't going to play. Put in Haynes King. Haynes King ended up doing fine. He had 25 points at the quarterback position. Uh, Tyler Shuck, which is still stupid, uh, played decent. Muhammad <laughs> Ibrahim.
0: Let, let me stop you there, Kevin. I was trying to screenshot, and I totally forgot to do it. As I was watching that game, they actually put a graphic up. Yes, you can put a graphic up about For your pronunciation. pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> It was hilarious. <laughs> I wanted to, send it
1: to you. <laughs> stupid ass name. That's dumb. All right, but uh, Ronnie Rivers obviously played a tough game. Uh, you know, we 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 kind of talked about it. The the matchups for for Fresno State was going to look rough. They had, they ended up moving the ball pretty well through the air. Didn't do a whole lot on the ground though. Uh, Jalen Cropper played well. Reggie Roberson not so much. Uh, Jareth Stearns uh, looked really good. Seven catches, a buck seven, and two touchdowns. Like we said, that Western Kentucky offense is going to move the ball. Uh, Jerrick uh 15 carries, 94 yards, and a the touchdown. They kind of got out on Northern Colorado really early, so he didn't really get much much play in the second half. But uh, my the 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 one big bright spot is my Joquavius Mark shares. Uh, he played an awesome game. 71 rushing yards, two touchdowns, had nine catches for 27 yards in the third touchdown. He played really well, so that's one guy that you know he'll be replacing the Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, you know, season-ending injury. Then I got to get 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 to working a little bit, but yeah, Bain, Bain, Bainbridge took me down 186 to 170. Uh, had really disappointing weeks out of both uh, Gray, uh, Reggie Roberson, and Ronnie Rivers. So I'm I'm still pretty happy with my team, but yeah, it was definitely definitely a letdown. Uh, something I wanted to bring up though, while while we're here, is the Natty Chasers and CFB winning edge. Uh, was, was a good game and very entertaining on our threads. Natty Chasers win, 201 to 190. Uh, m- most notably after after benching Kenneth Walker, when one of the, the teams or one of the owners in this team, their co-owner with, with CFF Jared and CFF Xavier. Xavier wanted to start Kenneth Walker. Uh, Jared did not, ended up going with a player that got a, a whopping zero points because he got pulled and it was, uh, I, th- I think, tested positive for the coronavirus. But uh, so leaving 50 points on the bench and still being able to pull out a win, big deal, which now that we're talking about this, that's a nice little transition over into our campus to campus pod league. So, J.D., I'll let you take that one over.
0: Yeah, so we started this pod league. Let me pull it up here. We started, of course, I don't know who made this schedule, um, but of course we started (laughs) with a nice matchup between myself and Mr. Kevin Brown here, uh, a little showdown. And despite – Me leaving Kenneth Walker on the bench, which apparently is something that uh, me and Jared have in common. Um, (laughs) You know, I did not have the wisdom of Xavier to uh, tell myself to put him in the game. But despite me leaving that 50-burger on the bench, Kevin, I still still got on me. Oh, I still got on you. I still had my Tanner Mordecai 7 touchdowns, Tyler Batty, uh, 37 points. Brennan Armstrong, 33 points.
1: Drake London Um, with 21. I mean, with 13 catches for a buck 44. Didn't even get in the end zone and still put up 21 points. That's that's huge. Yeah,
0: and then Dijon and Tank look like monsters. So, I'm going to be relying a lot on Dijon and Tank for this team. If Kenneth Walker is anything like he showed, which obviously we can't expect this kind of production, but if he's a serious producer – I think that's going to go a long way towards this team. If he's a flash yeah. in the pan, I, I still need some running back depth behind those two. But other than that, pretty positive start. Your team had some tough matchups, like we yeah. mentioned at the jump. So
1: yeah, it was it was a tough week one for me. Just about in, in uh, all five of my my college football leagues, there's a lot. Of, I draft a lot of the same players. You know, I mean, I'm not one of those guys that will avoid people because I got him in two other leagues. Uh, if I like a guy, I'm going to draft him. You know, since Sam McCormick only had 12 points. He had a billion touches for 117 yards. They ended up beating Illinois, just couldn't get in the end zone. Ronnie Rivers again, tough day at the office. Reggie Roberson, Tyler Sneed. Uh, Austin Jones is probably my biggest red flag on this team right now. I'm not over the top worried about guys like Reggie Roberson or or, uh, Ronnie Rivers, especially once they get into conference play. Those guys are going to eat. Dorian Thompson-Robinson played really, really well against UCLA – or, excuse me, against LSU. I actually had him sat for this game, which it wouldn't have made any difference. You kicked the shit out of me pretty pretty easy. I mean, you had almost a 70-point win. But uh, Jordan Winniton played well. You know, I got a uh, – oh, speaking of pickups, all right, so we need to, to, to go back to the waiver wire section just for a minute. Jordan Myers from Rice. Uh, he has got tight end eligibility, but he is also – Uh, rushing the ball so he had 23 rushing yards for a touchdown two catches for 11 yards quote unquote listed as a starting running back for rice now there's not a whole lot of players on rice's football team that i would like to mention for a fantasy football show but whenever you can find one that's mislabeled that's miss uh that's got the wrong eligibility that you can kind of get a little bit of a little cheat code in there with it. Jordan Myers is one. I have him in every league that I could get him in just in case. So that's, that's a guy that I definitely be looking to uh, to add it anywhere else. But yeah, man, you got on me pretty good. You were the highest scoring team in the league. Uh, Debbie Warehouse coming second with one point behind you. I had a couple, you know, 229, but then again, you know, I had one, two, three, you know, I didn't finish last in the league, so, even on, even on what I consider to be one of my worst weeks. So, uh, so yeah, well played. That's a that's a good looking team you got there, especially on those those later running backs that are popping off like Tyler Beatty, Kenneth Walker, um, of course Bijan and Tank Bigsby looking solid. You know, I know you had, you had talked about you you didn't you didn't really like the running back depth, but with with Beatty and uh, Kenneth Walker blowing up, that's that's something that uh, you can be proud of for sure.
0: Yeah, uh, just want to give a few shout-outs if there's any listeners in our league. Uh, yeah, obviously, Debbie Warehouse went off 251, and that was with Holani getting a zero because he was mysteriously out. Um, nonstop had 209 points. I think he still got somebody to go. Uh, another player still left to go. And then uh, Justin Nottingham, 229 points, and he still has Matt Corral. So looks yeah. like we're going to have some high scores. I'm looking forward
1: to this league. Yeah, it's going to be a good league, so uh, but all right, buddy. Well, that's going to be close to doing it for us tonight. Uh, you got anything else you want to add before we uh, before we move on for the week?
0: No, I uh, I'm not sure what next week's pod's going to look like. I'm uh, heading out to that Texas Arkansas game uh, this weekend. Oh, so yeah, it should, okay. <laughs> it should be a fun uh, fun game. I, I don't know who I'm rooting for though.
1: Well, that's okay. I would, I would definitely, you got, I mean, you're kind of you kind of flag pan on K.J. Jefferson. Just do me a favor. If you're going to root for yeah. Arkansas, just root for it to be like a 55-49 a to 49 type of game just so we can at least get a lot of fancy points out of it. Uh I'm used to losing as a Texas fan, so it's not going to hurt my feelings that much. But as long as my players play well, I can live with that.
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Bijan and K.J. Jefferson, I'm hoping for 40 points each. That's really all I give a shit about.
1: All right, man. Well, look, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Subscribe. Click the subscribe button, all that good stuff, anywhere you find your podcast, and we will see you next week. Deuces.